Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that time of worship. My name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. And again, we are so glad that you're here with us. Uh, Today, we are continuing in our series called The Church Defined. And here's what we've been doing the past couple weeks. We've been looking at how the world has defined church and even how we have traditionally gone about defining who the church is. We've made the church the building. We've made the church the chairs and the pulpit or even the person that is in the pulpit. We've made it the worship songs that we've sing and the time that we gather on Sunday morning. But that's not what church is. The Bible actually defines the church as a group of people and it defines those group of people as a movement. In other words, it's how those people behave. It's what they collectively do. And so we've been looking at uh, some of the ways that we've defined ourselves. And so for the past couple weeks, we talked about, hey, we don't belong to this earth, so we need to stop acting like we do. We need to define ourselves as belonging to heaven. And there are some behaviors attached to that. We also looked at uh, the second week at our relationships and defined and said, you know what, we've got to stop having just church friends. We've got to start having authentic relationships. And we talked about how we as the church can do that. And then last week, my friend, Pastor Jason Hanish from Discovery Church in Bakersfield, California, he weighed in and he shared how we get to serve, not just help out. We're not just stopping by, that we get to serve because we're part here. We belong here and it is our privilege It is our opportunity. We get to serve. All these messages were very strong messages and have really helped shape who we are as a church. And this week, we're going to continue. We've got two more weeks of it this week and next week. And I'm super excited um, for you to, to give today's talk because today we're going to talk about we give generously. All right, I'll pause for just a moment. Start breathing again. Relax, everybody. I know. When a pastor starts talking about money, you start doubting their intent, you start questioning why it is that they're talking about money. Maybe you've even experienced a church leader or a pastor who talked about it a lot and it felt abusive to you. And but here's what I wanna let you know before we get into this talk today about giving and our generosity. First of all, I don't want anything from you. You didn't call me to this ministry, God did. And if you don't give a dime to this ministry, if you don't respond to the Lord's leading and, and, and how he would have you give, the way he's prescribed biblically, that's okay with me. God's called me to this ministry and he has been providing since day one for my family and I and for this church. And so I just wanna put that out there. I don't want anything from you. As your pastor, what I do want is something for you because there are some blessings, there are some spiritual things, a lot of them actually that are attached to the principle of giving and generosity and money in general. In fact, the Bible talks about money money a lot. Jesus talked about money a lot. And it's so important that we get this thing right. And let me also just say, if you've been hurt by some pastor or some church because of mismanagement of it, or maybe you felt like they talked about it too much, let me just on behalf of, of God, of all Christians, let me just apologize in this moment. But know that I'm not here to, for anything to benefit myself. I'm here because I want something for you. And here's the thing. 
I truly believe there is better. There is better for you. There is better for us as a church. And there is better for the world that God longs so desperately for us to reach. And so that's why I'm gonna talk about generosity and what it looks like to give, what it looks like to tithe, what it looks like to bring our offering. So let me just start there because I'm well aware that as soon as I started talking and said the word tithe, that there's quite a few of you that have never heard this word before. So let me waka waka break it down for you a little bit about what tithing is. Tithing literally means, it's a word, it means 10th, okay? So it means 10 percent. And tithing is a percentage. God said instead of, instead of talking about how much everybody gives, if everybody gives the same percent, then it's a level playing field. So tithing is a principle that we find in the Old Testament. We find it in the New Testament. We find it before the law. For those of you that are going to want to argue with me, tithing was something that happened before the law. And because it was a principle that existed before, they put it into the law. It was the way for God to have his people support his church, the church leaders, and the ministry that God had for them to do. And so he said, hey, instead of giving a dollar amount, which would feel defeating to some people, he said, everybody gives the same percent. So we call it a tithe. It's a tenth. It's 10%. But tithing is not just about the percent. Tithing is about a priority. In other words, tithing is more about first. I like to talk about tithing saying it's your first and 10, because those are the two things that make up tithing. It's about doing it first. It's about tithing. As soon as you receive your paycheck or any increase in your life, it's about giving the first 10% to God, not paying all your bills and seeing what's left over. It's about a heart position. Where does God place in your priority of who you're going to give to? Is God first? And so tithing is first. We make him our priority. It is a way for us to honor him. Jesus even affirmed tithing in the New Testament, and we see that's how the local church, the very first church, was uh, supported itself as well. So let me explain tithing in, in a, a story that uh, I like to tell. Uh, my son, and God made it very, very clear to me, and he oftentimes uses uh, instances in my life around food uh, to help me understand biblical principles, and uh, this, was, this was one of them. One time I took my kids, uh, my, my sons, to Dairy Queen, and we got in line, and my son Tyler, he knew exactly what he wanted, man. He, he is an Oreo blizzard, without a doubt. That's what he's gonna get every single time when you offer up a blizzard. Yep, Oreo blizzard, let me take that. Trent, however, gets excited about the new flavors. And as we're going through the line, they had this one that was related to Jurassic Park. And it was like this whole mishmash of a whole bunch of different like cookie dough and cheese. I mean, it was just, I don't even remember what was in it. It was just a bunch of stuff. His eyes got huge. He said, Dad, that's the one that I want. It was brand new. He had never tried it before. He was so excited. So we get in line. We order it. We give it to him. And as we're pulling away... I didn't order one of my own because it I was one of the seasons that I was dieting. And I said, Lord, I, I said, I, I don't want to be tempted, but I do want a bite. And so Trent opened his up, and as he starts to dig in, we're getting ready to pull out of the place. And I said, hey, Trent, can I get a bite? And he said, sure, Dad. Yeah, you can have a bite. And he starts to take that first bite. And I said, no, but can I have that bite? And Trent stopped, and he looks at the bite, and he looks up at me, and he goes, you want the first bite? And I said, yeah, I want that bite right there. And he said, and I was just having fun with him. I, I didn't even mean to learn something, but this is what the Lord does. And he, and he looked at it and he went, okay, dad, you can have the first bite. And he, and he gives me the spoon and I took the bite and I gave it back to him. Now, here's the deal. I'm the one that bought it for him. 
I bought all the blizzards for him in the past. I'll buy plenty of blizzards for him in the future. But that first bite, there's something about that first bite, that first piece that carries some honor. You understand this. You like to be the first one on the block to get the new piece of technology, the first one on the block to know a bit of information, the juicy gossip or the, the celebrity news or to be the first one to share. Like we all like to, there's something about the first. It's honoring. And for Trent to give me that first bite, it was honoring to me as a dad. It's, it's that he trusted that, man, he was going to have the rest of it because he knew I wasn't asking for all of it. I was asking for a bite. And I was asking for the first one because that's the one that was honoring. The Lord spoke to me. He said, that's what tithing is like. When you give to me first and you give it willingly, you return it, it's that first bite. It's that 10% first that honors God. It demonstrates a priority. It demonstrates a place in your heart. It's so important that we get this right. Now, that's not what my message is about today, but, but understand that that's what tithing is really all about. And I know there's plenty of you. You understand this. You've heard me talk about this, and yet sometimes, sometimes we refuse to do this. We say, no way. This is mine. I want that first bite. If there's anything left over, I'll give it to you, God. Or, or God, sometimes I don't have anything left over, so I can't give it to you. We say, mine. And here's the thing, regardless of how many times we've heard this message, whether it's your first time or you've heard it a hundred times, there are reasons attached to why we don't give. And I've got a few of them. The very first one, the reason why we don't give of our tithes and the reason that we don't give of our beyond, above and beyond our tithes and offerings, the reason we don't give generously, the first one is because of our indebtedness. Truly, here's the deal. I believe that Christians have received so much grace they have received so much wonderful things from God that we don't have a generosity issue. That's not our problem. Our problem is we've participated so much with the world and the way the world goes about things that we have to have so much stuff. We've got to have a nice house. We've got to have the nice car, the nice clothes. And so we've amassed a whole bunch of debt. And as a result of our level of indebtedness, we don't have a generosity issue we have an issue that we are strapped. We, we, we don't have enough money to go through, through the end of the month. We've got more month than we do money. Our hands are tied, so we can't give. In fact, the American average, American, has $16,883 in credit card debt. The average American car loan debt is $29,539. The average American student loan debt is $50,626. And the average interest paid per year on credit cards means they're now making money off of your debt is $1,292. Now here's the problem with that. Being in debt and our hands are tied, we are ultimately now a slave to our money. And I'm gonna tell you what, you can either be the master of money or you can be a slave to money. Proverbs 22.7 says this, the borrower is servant to the lender. And some of you know this. Man, money issues keep you up late at night. Through this coronavirus and other times in your life when your job has been threatened, you've lost sleep because I owe. In fact, some of you, that's your mantra. I owe, I owe, so it's off to work I go. Uh. I owe, I owe. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I'm in your world right now. I absolutely understand this too. That's why I would urge you that no matter where you're at in your financial journey, get out of debt. Fight for financial 
freedom. Because again, I don't believe generosity is your issue. I think that debt is our problem. That's why we offer as a church an opportunity. We offer financial peace groups. In fact, in September, we're gonna start those groups up again and you'll have an opportunity to learn how to manage your money, how to eliminate your debt, save for the future, and grow in your financial prosperity. And let's, let me tell you something. You're gonna wanna be in that group. In fact, here's what I'm gonna do today. Some of you are like, Aaron, I can't wait till September. I'm ready to go now. I need some help. And if you're willing to, I'll tell you what I'll do. I have a copy of Dave Ramsey's book because it's the, the, the group that we do is by Dave Ramsey. I've got Dave Ramsey's book, The Total Money Makeover. The very first person to email me right now, email Aaron at mysimple.church. That's Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at mysimple.church. Right now, if you'll put in the subject header book, the very first person that emails me right now gets a copy of that book. Just the first person. I've only got one extra copy. I'll mail it to you at my expense. But, but if you need help right now, let me just give it to you. So, 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 so reach out. But, but know that in September, you can get into one of our small groups and you can learn to get some financial freedom. There are so many people in our church that have already done it. I could give you a list of them in the thousands of dollars. And I don't mean that it's just like 5,000. It's in the $30,000 mark that people have paid off their debt because they've committed to a plan to do that and God has blessed them. And I believe he'll bless you too. And here's the reason why we wanna do that because Paul urged us in Romans 13, eight, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. Man, that's a debt that you can hold is to love one another. So fight to eliminate debt in your life because here's the thing. Some of you might push back on tithing and generosity and say, I'll never be able to afford to tithe or I can't afford to do it. And you know what? You'll never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe because tithing is what breaks the curse. Let me move on. Second reason we don't give uh, generously is because we have an improper perspective. Um, there are several perspectives that we have on, on money that keep us from giving. The first one is that we think that everything we have is mine. Mine, mine, mine. We're like seagulls. Mine, mine from Finding Nemo. Everything is, is mine. It's mine. We, we sound like little kids. It's mine. But here's the deal, everything that you have is not yours. You have been given it to steward your time, your relationships, your children, your spouse, your finances, everything you have in your life is yours to steward. To steward, by the way, to be a steward is not an owner. It means it is yours to take care of. It is yours to manage. God is actually the owner of it. When we look at scripture, we see in Psalm 89, 11, it says this, the heavens are yours, the earth is also yours, the world and all it contains. You have founded them. Psalm 95, 5, the sea is his, for it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Haggai 2, 8, the silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Psalm 50, 10, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. Deuteronomy 8, 18, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth. Like everything you have including the breath in your body and the talents and gifts that you have that you use on a regular basis to make wealth. That's called power to make wealth. It's his and he gave it to you. And yet, God has provided everything, everything that you have. And he doesn't ask for it all. He's just asking for 10% for you to return it to him. And he's asking for you to do it first. Not all. And by the way, it's not a giving thing. 
You can't give what isn't yours. God's laid claim on that. He says, it's mine. The tithe is mine. So you don't give it. You return it to him. The average American attendee in church today gives 2.5%. And what's staggering to me is when you look back in time, when you look at a time when America was at its worst financially in the Depression in the early 1900s, the average giving then to churches was 3.5%. 3.5%. Today's numbers reflect an average of 90% of people in the church today that do not tithe. And let me tell you something. God is looking for a partnership with us. And he's looking for that partnership because he wants to use you. He wants to use our church to make a difference. And that difference, that opportunity to make a bigger impact in this world while we are here, to rescue some people from the fire and make sure that they spend eternity in heaven, that opportunity is walking away and getting farther from us for every day that we don't choose to be obedient and to tithe. And we miss out because of an improper perspective that everything, all this stuff, it's mine. It's not God's, it's mine. Second reason we don't, we don't uh, give out with an improper perspective is we say, well, God sees my heart. You're right. God does see your heart. Money is the number one contender for the place in your heart that he's supposed to hold. He knows that. He is, you're absolutely right. God sees your heart. And I know that you intend that to mean, well, my intentions are good. I'm a good person. He sees my heart. But what I'm telling you is God does see your heart and he sees it for what it is. He knows that money is the thing that will try to take his place because money will offer you security. You ever heard of financial security before? That's an illusion. It doesn't exist. Money comes and goes like the wind. It is not secure. You cannot find Financial security against everything in this world. Money tries to offer you what God only can offer you. And it is the number one contender for your heart. In fact, Jesus said this about money. He was talking about us. And all right, listen to what he says. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Watch what he says. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You absolutely cannot. God knows your heart, and he knows that you're tempted to make money the priority in your life. And God is saying, if you're gonna follow me, I need to be be the priority. I need to be number one, and tithing helps you do that because you do it first, and you give 10%. It honors God and puts him first. Another another perspective that we've got that is off is is we, we talk about, oh, well, my time is my tithe. Listen, I'm gonna say something to you that my grandmother used to say, and she would get into long debates with people about scripture, and she was uh, talking to, to people who wanted to argue over the existence of God and what God meant here. And my, my grandmother would say this, and, and it's kind of sharp, and I don't mean it to sound so sharp, but I'm gonna ask you this. If you really, really believe that your time is your tithe, show me that chapter and verse in the Bible. I'll wait. Truth is, I'll be waiting here for a really long time because it doesn't exist. It's not in the Bible. See, as Christ followers, we're to follow God's word. We're to believe that, A, it is true, A, it is for us, and that what it says is how we're supposed to live out our lives. But you're not gonna find that your time gets to be your tithe. If we're gonna live out according to God's word, we need to live it out completely. And Proverbs 3, 9 tells us, honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. See, the tithes and the offerings that we give, it's supposed to be the increase. Well, you don't have an increase of time. You may have an increase 
of free time, you may have an increase of work time. You may have an increase of time you've allotted to this, but you don't ever have an increase of time where you grow and suddenly you have more time than you had before. That is just not the situation. But you do grow in your income. You do grow in your possessions. You do grow in your finances. And, and the Bible is clear that we are to give tithe of our income to be generous in that way. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be generous with your time and use your time to serve. And, and I'm not saying that, I'm, but what I'm telling you is your time does not equate your tithe. It's about your increase, your income. Another improper perspective is, is people talk about their, their giving and they talk, well, well, I give my tithe to those that are in need. Listen, Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse was the church. This is where God is talking about it. He says, that there may be food in my house. I understand if you want to be generous, I think that's incredible. In fact, I got into a great conversation in one of our Bible studies this past week about when we should give, because Jesus said, give to anybody who asks you, and that's absolutely true. But you cannot lump your tithe in there and say that you get to direct where it goes and how it gets spent. God says in Malachi 3, bring the tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. In other words, so that it can be a God-directed, God-led time of giving for times like we're in right now. If the storehouse was full right now in the middle of the coronavirus, we'd be able to feed a whole bunch of people. But that's not our situation. We're not in a place where we have storehouses full. We, we absolutely are not there. We, or we'd be doing that. But if nothing's stored, you can't give. And so here's what I'm saying. You need to give of your tithe, that first intent, and you need to do it at your local church. You absolutely can't do it on your own and decide where it goes. So, so we don't give because we're in debt, and we, we don't give because of wrong perspectives. We also don't give because of a lack of trust. We've got a, lack, a, a shortage mentality that, well, if I give, what about me? What about my needs? Will I have enough? But that doesn't make any sense to me to give that way, Aaron. Listen, let me tell you something. Proverbs 3, 5 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Now, that sounds really nice in words to say, I do trust you, but, but our behavior says otherwise. When we choose to not give, it's a demonstration that we don't trust, that we're leaning on what we understand. We're leaning on our understanding of the markets. We're leaning on our understanding of the times and the seasons that we're in. We're leaning on our understanding, what we can comprehend. And sometimes we feel like if we give, that that equals just a negative in our column, when that is simply not true. The Bible says if you give, that God will bless you, that, that the same measure that you give will be given back to you. Good measures, shaken down, pressed together, running over Will men give unto you? Like giving is, is not a negative in your column. It's a plus, and we have to look at it that way. But if we don't trust that verse, if we don't trust that God is faithful, that if we're willing to let go of what's in our hand, that he'll let go of what's in his hand towards us, if we don't trust, then we won't give. Trusting is not easy to do. We tend to rely on what we understand, and tithing simply doesn't make sense to us. Well, I think what we'd rather do is give how we want. There's a verse in, in the New Testament that says, let every man give according to his heart. But what he were talking about there is an offering. It was not referring to the tithe. This was above and beyond the tithe. It was an offering that they were referring to. But we like that. We like, well, I'm just gonna give how I feel. I'm gonna give whatever money I have in my pocket. I'm gonna give 
if I've got anything left over this week. I'm gonna give uh, and, and after my bills have been paid. I'm gonna give after my wife and I have gone out on a date because, you know, Aaron, marriage is a priority. I'm gonna give after, after we've had vacation. I'll give once a year. Well, I'll, we try to tell God how we're gonna do it, and God's got a plan. It's always funny to me how we go about that, that as the created thing, telling the, the one who created us that we know better and that our ways are better. You know, I, I, my kids, when they were younger, we'd get to cooking in the kitchen, we'd tell them the stove was hot. And I think like our kids, what we want more often than not in order to be obedient is understanding. We wanna understand the stuff. We wanna understand God. We wanna understand tithing. We wanna understand how it's supposed to work. We wanna understand how he's gonna provide. We wanna understand what blessing and favor me. We want to understand it all, but obedience does not require understanding. For my child to not touch a stove when I'm told him that it was hot doesn't mean that he'd have to have a previous experience to understand, if I touch that stove, it's going to burn me. A toddler doesn't even understand those words. When you say, don't touch, it's hot, they can just be obedient and receive the blessing that comes along with that and gain understanding later. And oftentimes, obedience to God's word and what he calls us to do is exactly that. You'll never understand it until you get to the other side of obedience. And in tithing, that's why God says to us, test me, prove me. There's an invitation all throughout scripture, taste and see that the Lord is good. It requires you to act before you get to know. That's what faith is all about, guys. That's faith. In fact, Deuteronomy 14.23 specifically talks about tithing. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Man, what a powerful, powerful lesson to learn that this habit of tithing, giving God our first and 10%, teaches us to trust God. And that's the call. That's his desire is for us to trust him with all our hearts. And in order to do that, it means trusting God with every part of our lives. Tithing shows God that we trust him with our finances. Now listen, this whole thing, our generosity, is something that God takes very, very seriously. In fact, when you read one of his statements in Malachi 3, verses 8 through 12, it almost sounds as if God is personally offended. I know that he's not, but here's the thing. God desires something for us and for his people. He always has, and it's to be a blessing to them and through them. And when he doesn't get to do that, it's almost like he's coming at you saying, come on, I've got so much to give. I've got so much for you to have. I've got so much to give other people through you. It's, you can hear his excitement and his like, guys, do you not understand? Check it out. Malachi 3, he says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you, God? He says, in your tithes and your offerings. So it ain't just about your first intent. It's about above and beyond. It's about giving to missionaries. It's about giving, sponsoring kids at, through, in, in Honduras through One Child Matters. It's about giving to your local food pantry. It's about whatever the Lord lays on your heart to do, whatever you see to do. It's about giving and being generous above and beyond that. He says, in your tithes and your offerings. He says, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing us. Now, some people have taken, some pastors have taken that verse to try to scare people. And here's the thing I don't believe God is cursing you. I believe that we're under a curse because of the fall of, of man. In the beginning of the book, the curse of sin and death is what we're all under. And God's like, I've got something better for you. If you want to break free from this curse, if you want to walk under my blessing, tithing is the secret, Jackson. Like, come on, dude, you got to get on board for this. 
He is inviting us to that which is better. He says, you're robbing me. You're not robbing God of money. God doesn't meet, need money. What you're robbing God of is an opportunity to bless you because it takes your obedience for you to receive the blessing on the other side of it. Tithing literally breaks that curse off of our finances because here's what we have to come to believe in order to do it in the first place is that God can do more with 90% that we hold on to than we could ever do with the 100% that we hold on to. You know, Shanda and I, before we were able to tithe, tithing wound up in a bill column at one point in time. And we just said, you know what? We could afford this house if we didn't put tithing on there. And, and so we took tithing off of there. And that was a huge mistake in our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. And we went on and we bought that house because we stopped tithing. But you know what happened? Years later, the Lord began to speak to my heart about giving and about tithing. And I said, Lord, I don't know how we're gonna be able to do that. We've got more month left at the end of the month than we do money. I don't know how we're gonna be able to do it. And my wife and I, we prayed about it and we just said, we gotta do this. This is an act of obedience. We're gonna have to do what my pastor was telling me was just simply to trust that God's got it. Now it meant that we had to cut in, in some of the things that we were doing, we had to say no to some things so that we could say yes to honoring God because it does require that. You can't just have this blind step of faith. It's gonna require some stewardship on your part. But let me tell you what happened is we didn't have it to give in the first place and we did it and then next thing we know, we had more money at the end of the month than we had month. And we, we had no idea how that happened because our income levels hadn't changed at all. We discovered that there was better in fact, Jesus said this, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We've got to fight that in our culture today because, man, we're all about getting stuff. We're all about gathering and building our own kingdoms. And Jesus said it's more blessed. It means it's happier to give than it is to receive. And here's the thing. I believe that you can discover that which is better too. Starting here with our tithes and our offerings, giving above and beyond that tithe, when we give generously, there's a couple things that happen. The first thing that happens is that we resemble God. Because here's what you need to know. God is a giver. He's generous. He loves to give. And it's not just something that he does. It's actually a part of who he is. Because God is love. In fact, John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He so loved that he gave. Now this verse is about Jesus. It goes on to describe the benefits of what he gave. He gave his son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But see, God didn't just give something. He gave his best. He gave his firstborn son. He gave it first, and he did it long before anybody said they were gonna place their faith in him. Nobody came to God and said, you know what? <clears throat> if you'll sacrifice your son, Jesus, We'll all put our faith in him and we'll give our lives to you. Nobody said that. God gave it in faith and he expects us to do the same, to give our first and to give our best, is to give that 10%. Now here's the thing. I love you, but I don't love you the way that God loves you. I've got three kids and there's not a single one of them that I would lay down their lives and send them to their deaths for you. I'm your pastor. I love you dearly, but I don't love you that much. But God does. God gave his best. He gave his all when he gave his son. Now God not only gave you his son, but God gave you everything that you have. I talked about this earlier with that mind perspective. 
everything you have, God has given you. In fact, you could run down the list. You could thank God for your home. Whether it's your home or an apartment or a house that you're living in, you can thank God for the roof over your head, whether that is a tent or a house. No matter what it looks like, you've got a home, you've got a a roof, thank God for it. For whatever money you've got in your pocket, whether it's a lot or a little, God gave it to you. The job that you have or the ability to earn income, God gave you that. The family that you have, the friends that you have, the community that surrounds you, the freedoms we experience in this country, the car that you drive, the gas that is fueling it, the list could go on and on. God gave all of it to you. Every single bit of it is from him. You have it because he gave it to you. In fact, here's the thing. That's extreme generosity. But the thing about it, this extreme generosity and who God is, we are supposed to be a reflection of who God is. In Genesis 1.27, it says that God created us in his own image. In other words, we're literally supposed to be his representation, the image of him here on this earth. If you're a Christ follower, you're supposed to reflect him, which means when he gives generously, and he does, that we are supposed to give generously and extravagantly. That's who we're supposed to be. You, say, you may say, Aaron, I know lots of, Christ, uh, lots of people who are not Christians who give generously. That's fine. You can give generously and be generous and not be a Christian, but I do not believe that you can be a Christian and not give generously. I don't think that it's possible to give. It's like you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You are made to be in God's image. You are made to be like him. He gave generously, so we give generously to resemble him. The second thing that happens when we give generously is that we worship. You know, worship expresses love to God. That's what worship is. It's an expression of love to God. And I think too often when we consider worship, we think that worship is singing a song. It's raising our hands, clapping our hands. It's, it's saying hallelujah. It's, it's shouting. It's, it's all these physical expressions of love to God. And yes, that is true. Just in the same, same way that there are physical expressions of love in a marriage and in a, a, a parent to a child and friends to each other, there are physical expressions of love that we can do. But worship is more than just that, more than just physical expressions of love. Worship is about taking an object and placing its importance above anything else in our lives to ultimately center our lives around that thing and point everything at it to make sure it's in total alignment. Almost in the same way that if you go home right now and you look at your living room, everything in your living room is pointed at one thing. What's that? It's right, it's the TV. Everything is pointed at the TV. So the way that your living room is arranged is the same way that worship, we arrange ourselves in worship. We point everything at one thing. And you can worship lots of things. It doesn't have to be God, and a lot of us do. We have these idols that take that place in our heart that God is only supposed to have, meaning we take our priorities and we align them with that thing instead of God's priorities. We do it all the time. And there'll be that ebb and flow in your relationship with God. There'll be that ebb and flow in your relationship and priority in your marriage and in all of your relationships that it's important that we make efforts intentionally to align ourselves with God that is worship. And when we are align ourselves with God, what that means is that when we point ourselves at it, it doesn't mean that we're just looking at it. It means that our desires, it means that our behaviors, it means that our words and our actions are in alignment with what he has prescribed for us. In other words, his commands. What, that, what does that boil down to? It's simply obedience, that we would obey his commands. 
choosing obedience above our own preferences and what we want, that is an act of worship. John 14, 15 says, this is Jesus talking. He says, if you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. You know that in your marriage relationships and in other things. When someone asks you to do something, you doing what they've asked you to do is an expression of love. When our relationship with God, obedience is an expression of love. Now tithing is taught all throughout scripture. It's that give it first and give 10%. The first church in Acts was also known more for its generosity than it was known for its theology. Here's the thing. Just because we don't like it, just because we don't like the idea of tithing, we don't like that we should do it first because, man, that takes faith and that takes trust, just because we don't like that it's 10% when we're more comfortable giving 2.5% doesn't mean that we get a pass. That's called being a salad bar Christian where you walk through God's word and you say, well, I'll have some of that, but I won't have none of that because I don't like that, and I'll have me some of that, and I'll take a scoop full of that. I used to do that as a kid. I used to go, my mom said, you need to have a salad before you have your main meal at the salad bar, and I would go and I would get some lettuce and then I would pile pepperoni and cheese and bacon on top of it, and then I would go back, and that was my salad. That's not what she meant, but that's what I did. You don't get to pick and choose what you want from God's word. See, here's the thing. Jesus is either Lord of all, or he is not Lord at all. He won't play second fiddle to any part in your life. And I think it's amazing that only in our relationship with God do we find this selective obedience acceptable. You wouldn't do that in your marriage relationship. You wouldn't say to your spouse on your wedding day, well, I'm gonna honor you, but I'm not gonna be completely faithful to you. There's something that conflicts about that. It's not going to work. In fact, if that was my wife, she'd looked at me and said, I will cut you, and she would too. You need to know that. But we don't get to pick and choose in our marriage, and we don't get to pick and choose in our relationship with God either. If you love him, obey him, no matter how uncomfortable it might make you. That's why he's God and you're not. He's the creator. We are the created ones. We need to trust him. So tithing and offerings, giving generously is an act of worship. It also makes us look like God. The next thing that happens when we are generous in our giving is that we're blessed. We're absolutely blessed. You say, how could we be blessed? Let me tell you something. Malachi 3.10 says it this way. This is 10 through 12. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. We already mentioned that, that there may be food in my house. And watch what God says. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Man, verses 11 and 12 go on to describe how he wants to bless you, that you won't, you're, you're, the, the trees and the fruit on your trees won't fall before you have time to gather them, that, that the pestilence won't come and devour it. And let me tell you something, when you apply that to your life, that plays out in some beautiful ways. And I know that you want that kind of blessing. I know I want that kind of blessing, and I want that kind of blessing for you. Because let me tell you something, I've been blessed with jobs, I've been blessed with favor, I've been blessed with opportunities. I got stuff in my life that lasts longer than stuff for anybody than anybody that it'll last for anybody else I've had cars break down and and here's one time I had my car break down it would not start and I went out in the morning and I said dear God I said I'm a tither I pray that you would just bless me right now and you would start this car and I'm gonna tell you what I don't know enough about a car to tell you what was wrong with it in the first place all I know is that it didn't start and after I put my hands on it and declared to the Lord that I was a tither I got in that car and that car started and I went on bless God now listen you can doubt that story all you want to, but I got an experience. You can't take that away from me. 
I have experienced a, a, a job where I, I went in there and I interviewed with them and I took a test and they looked at me and said, you have no formal education. How did you pass our test? Were you cheating? And I said, I have no idea. But on the inside of my heart, I was like, I'm a tither and I got some blessing up in here. Like, come on, somebody. God blesses us. He's got some blessing for us if we're willing to take a step of faith and tithe. And that blessing isn't just always financial blessing. Yes, I believe that can happen too. But I believe God wants to bless you in a lot of different ways, in ways that are unfathomable to us because that's who God is. His ways are not our ways. What he has for us, we can't even imagine it. So I believe God wants to bless you. But here's the thing. I don't think you'll ever know what that blessing is because some of us want a list. Okay, you're going to bless me this way, and he's going to bless me this way on this date, and then I'm going to have all this. If I give to God, this is what it's going to look like, and this is how it's all going to play out. But he does not give us that luxury. He says, test me. And by the way, it's the only place in the Bible he says that. He says, test me, because he knows how important. He knows the role that money plays in your life. He says, test me. See what I'll do if you'll take this step of faith. Taste and see is the invitation. You know, I used to give a 90-day money-back guarantee on our tithe, and I decided that what I was doing was putting myself as a go-between between God and you. And I decided I wasn't going to do that anymore because how in the world, how blessed would you be if you took my guarantee but you wouldn't take God's guarantee? So I stepped out of that. I'm not offering that anymore. I'm promising you that if you'll trust God and you'll tithe, you'll give first and ten, you'll honor him, that God will bless you. Doesn't mean something bad won't ever happen to you, by the way. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that you'll be blessed through it. Amen, everybody? And here's the last thing that happens when we choose to give generously. Is that other people are blessed. We're blessed, but other people are blessed. Because here's the thing. You're bringing that tithe into the storehouse, into your local church. And your local church will use that to be a blessing to other people. If every person followed God-given principles of tithing, the local church would be unleashed to accomplish more than it ever has. Like here at Simple Church, we wanna bring the Dream Center out here to the east side. In fact, there is a, a growing need for it here in our community. We would love to have a facility that would help us facilitate classes, education, resources for those in the addiction community. We'd love to be able to resource and help families that have special needs children and, and, and to be able to come to church. We'd love to be able to offer regular ongoing financial education outside of our grow groups so that we can help break the bond of debt here and poverty in this community. We'd love to be able to offer language classes as our, our population here in this, in this community becomes ever more diverse. There is a need for education for our new neighbors that are coming in. We'd love to be able to go out into the prisons and to minister there, but we need your help. Like how many people would be reached? How many families and marriages could we help? How many people could we help provide food and shelter for? How many children could we rescue from sex trafficking? How many abused children, foster children, and special needs children could we bring hope and healing to? How many churches could we plant? And how many people would say yes to Jesus as a result of your act of obedience to trust God and tithe, to give it first and to give 10% of your income? I believe that that, that list of what we could do is long. And I believe that the potential is astounding. God is simply waiting on your obedience today. So here's the thing. When we give generously, we look like him. 
It's an act of worship as well. We're blessed by him. And then we get to be a blessing to others if we choose to give generously. So here's my challenge and my charge to you as your pastor. Don't rob God of the opportunity to bless you. Don't rob your church's potential. And don't rob yourself. I believe today that God wants to do incredible things here in this church and in this community and then through us around the world as well. But he wants us to be part of it. But in order to do that, we've got to do our part and then he'll do his. Amen, everybody? Let's pray real quick. Lord, today I pray that you would just help us with this. I know that money is the number one contender for our hearts. I know this isn't an easy message to hear. I know that there are trust issues. I know that there are all kinds of roadblocks in our hearts and our lives to giving. And Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just minister to us, minister to us, that you would let faith rise within us, Lord, to taste and see that you are good, to test you in this, that in our generosity, God, that we can grow, we can trust you, we can give of our tithes and our offerings and that, Lord, your response will be to honor us in return, to bless us in return. So, Lord, help us to grow in that way. Lord, knowing that your church, this church, is part of reaching those that are far from you. Lord, part of rescuing those that are, are gonna be lost in the fires of eternity. Lord, help us. Help us to realize that when we grow in this, when we obey in this, that we grow in our influence and our impact. Now there are those of you watching right now that man, you need to know this and, and you, you probably heard it as I was talking that God's love for you is extravagant. He's not mad at you. Maybe you've been told he's mad at you. He's disappointed in with you, that he doesn't wanna talk to you, that he's waiting to just zap you with lightning. But the truth couldn't be anything farther from that. It, it's so far from that. God is not mad at you. God loves you. In fact, I like to say it this way, that if God had a refrigerator up in heaven, your picture would be on that refrigerator. He loves you that much, and he cares for you, and he's ready for you to come home. He's ready to give all of himself to you, but he asks that you do the same in return, that you give all of yourself to him. Your sins are not an issue to God because he sent his son Jesus to pay a price for your sins. The mistakes that you've made have already been paid for. We call it covered by the blood of Jesus. In other words, they're not even seen anymore. If you had a whiteboard of your life, all the mistakes that you've made, they get wiped clean because of what Jesus did. And if today, if you're here and ready to be in relationship with God, to receive generously from him, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And if you're ready to make that commitment, say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I want you to be Lord and I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna grow spiritually. <clears throat> if you're ready to take that step of faith, there's a, a button on your screen right now that says I'm raising my hand. If you'll click that button right now, it'll let everybody know in here who's participating that you're ready to say yes to Jesus. It'll let us see so that we can celebrate with you. Click it now, don't wait. Don't wait till next week. Don't put this off. God is desperately pursuing your heart and your life and wants to be in relationship with you. Won't you let him love you? Won't you let him forgive you? Won't you change the trajectory of your life forever by this one moment of saying yes to the lordship of Jesus in your life, saying yes to following him for the rest of your days? Let's pray now. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. 
I'm ready to experience your love and your life. Show me how to live for you today. Make me brand new. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, all of heaven is having a party and celebrating with you. Come on, Simple Church. Can we celebrate with people over here in the chat box? Let them know that we are so proud of them. Let them know that we are with them. We are uh, rejoicing as well and so thankful for the commitment that they made today. Now, listen, I'm proud of you. And if you'll do one thing for me, and that is to click on the connection card right up here. That connect card is our way of connecting with you that gives us an opportunity to know that you said yes to Jesus today, that you would love to take your next step of faith, which is baptism. It's letting the world know that, hey, I'm, I'm here to follow Jesus and I'm going to get baptized. Uh, but it's also, if, if, if we know that you've said yes, we want to resource you with a Bible, either by helping you download the Bible app or we'll mail you a Bible in the mail. Like, we, we don't care. We want to help you on your spiritual journey. So if you'll fill out that connect card, that gives us an opportunity to begin talking with you about how we can be part of that, how, can we, how we can resource you no matter where you are in the country. So make sure that you do that today. A couple things I want to make sure we do before we end today. First is I want to give an opportunity. Here I've been preaching this message and maybe faith is rising up in your heart and it's time for you to take that step. Don't delay. Don't put it off. Take a step in, in obedience and give of your tithes and your offerings. The way you can do that, uh, they're on the screen right now. You can text to give, you can use our app to give, go to our website to give as well. You can also mail it in and all that information is right there available to you. We're so thankful for your faithful uh, generosity and for your giving. Uh, and uh, we just appreciate your trust. We appreciate, uh, it, it's such an honor uh, to, to, for, to have you give to our church and we just are so thankful for that. All right, at this time, I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna dismiss. Lord, thank you so much for uh, all that you're doing in us and through us. Thanks for challenging us with your word. Lord, I pray that as we take these steps that you bless us. Lord, we pray, uh, God, for any anyone that is uh, suffering through the effects of COVID-19, Lord, whether that is through uh, healing or maybe loss of opportunity, loss of resource, or maybe even loss of loved one in this time, Lord, that you would minister to them and, Lord, give us opportunities to do the same. Father, we love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you right back here next week at Simple Church.